Good morning. How are you? I really appreciate y'all being here this morning, and uh, I'm pretty sure that God does, and I'm pretty sure that the devil doesn't. So <laughs> we have had challenge after challenge this morning, and so let's just nip that in the bud right now. So uh, how many people had an interesting time getting here this morning? Anybody? Yeah, I see hands. <laughs> All right. Well, Father, we thank you. Lord, Every knee shall bow at the name of Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, we just plead the blood of Jesus over everything, over every situation. And Lord, we praise You for this morning. We thank You for what You're doing today. We thank You, Lord, that You give us life. You give us light. You give us the power to walk in Your blessing. And we praise You for it. We thank You for it. Lord, your word says that we, uh, it shows us that we partner with you. It shows us that we are your ambassadors. We speak what you want us to speak. We say in this earth the things that you want us to say. And so right now, Father, we just plead the blood of Jesus over the service. May your will be done. Any attacks against anybody or anything, we come against that in Jesus' name. Your word tells us. In, along those lines that whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So Father, any of the attacks that have tried to grip people, let those hands be loosed. Those hands of attack be loosed. Let their grip be loosened. And Father, we just bind up any of the power that the devil's trying to bring against uh, this morning and against people. We don't stand up for that. Father, we receive freedom right now. We praise you for it and we thank you for it. We give you the glory. It's an awesome day in you and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I told you a couple of weeks ago that this was a very special day and a very special service and it's going to be something that's very important. I'm basically going to read you an article uh, that Andrew Womack did, and when I read it, it hit me really uh, like a ton of bricks, and I, I, I guess you can say it like this, what the Holy Spirit had been leading me uh, as an adult for 15 years in a direction, this article summed it up in a few minutes as far as evangelism goes and discipleship goes, and it's an article that talks about discipleship versus evangelism. Uh, one of the things where we have gotten off in the church is that, and, and the article will deal with this, one of the things that we've gotten off in is we've made the main focus of everything that we do, uh, or at least some of us have, and some, some uh, people have, have made the main thing evangelism and winning converts. And now, did I say that that wasn't important? No, not at all. The Bible tells us that he who wins souls is wise. But the Bible also lays out a plan that shows us a better way, and I think you'll get that point. Now, here's the thing. We, I have always been focused on discipleship. I'm a teacher as part of my, part of my leading, as part of my anointing to do that. Uh, as a pastor and teacher, discipleship is very key to me. But discipleship is not really discipleship if it's not being duplicated. And so what we're going to start this morning is we're going to start a process of helping people to be 
disciples of Christ and learning how to live a life in which they are a real disciple. And as we read this article, you're going to see that there's a lot more to that than just what meets the eye. There's a lot more to discipleship uh, than what you just see and maybe have seen on the surface. It's very, very important. And here's the, here's the thing. If you're a disciple of Christ, are you a convert? So if we're making disciples, are we making converts? Yes, we are. And so what I want you to do is uh, just listen, and it may be kind of short at this 10 o'clock class, but just listen to this. This is Discipleship versus Evangelism by Andrew Womack. Most Christians believe that the primary purpose of salvation is to avoid hell. That may have been what you were taught, but it's not what the Bible teaches. In fact, that kind of thinking serves to inoculate people from the truth of the gospel concerning salvation. In other words, if all you ever think is that Jesus saved me so I won't go to hell, that's a byproduct of what he did, but that's not the main focus of what he did. The main focus, uh, and he, I think he says something about it, I'm, I'm preaching over the preacher here, and uh, the main focus is to get you eternal life. You know, Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it in abundance. He said, the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. In other words, he came to do this bad stuff. He said, but I came to give you the good stuff, the life of God. So salvation is not just to save you from hell. That happens as well. The main point of it is to reconnect you with God, reset you with God, get you into an intimate relationship with him. You can see that very clearly in John 17, 3. So, he says, If we simply cease to exist at death, and if there was no hell, I still believe that Jesus would have come to earth and died for us. Why? Because salvation is about having a relationship with God. God's main reason for sending Jesus was to restore fellowship. It just so happens that as we restore our relationship with God through salvation, one of the perks, one of the great benefits is that we miss hell and gain heaven. All right? Nowhere, here's, here's what Andrew says, he's got this part in bold. Nowhere in the scripture did Jesus tell us to go and make converts. Now that's a misleading that we have grown to believe. And before you string me up, hold up. Let's look at what is commonly referred to as the Great Commission, found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It says this, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Jesus told them to teach others to observe the things he had commanded. The Greek word for teach in this passage is literally the word that is translated disciple. The New International Version translated this as go and make disciples. This was what Jesus commissioned us to do. 
the emphasis here is that the Lord commanded us to make disciples and not converts. Somewhere along the way, the church has changed the emphasis of this message from making disciples to getting people born again, leaving discipleship for the mature. Did you know that Jesus never preached on being born again? Now, he talked about it, but he never preached on it that we have a record of. He says this, in the third chapter of John, he talked to Nicodemus about the spiritual birth compared to natural birth. And I want you to, because I know when I was reading this for the very first time, I was going, eh, Andrew, where are you going with this? So I know you may be feeling the same way right now. Here's the thing. I'm not trying to tell you that we're not to win people to Jesus. That would be an absolute heresy. All right? That's not what we're saying. What I want you to get this morning is maybe there's a little switch in your thinking that the truth of the Word of God could open up and all of a sudden we could become more effective than we have been. Is that possible? And you're going to see that in a few minutes as I, as I continue to read this. In the third chapter of John, Jesus talked to Nicodemus about the spiritual birth compared to the natural birth, but he never taught or preached to the people about being born again. You may be asking yourself, how can Andrew say that? That's the centerpiece of every evangelistic effort. You're right. It is. But I believe the Bible teaches that the church has placed the emphasis in the wrong place. By making that the focus, the church is actually lowering the standards, leaving people with the misconception that all they need to do is just be born again and discipleship is optional. Now you see that, we're, that we miss it and have missed it. That is not what Jesus commanded. You see, discipleship's not optional. Statistics say that 33% of all born-again Christians still support things like abortion and New Age thinking. That certainly does not reflect the attitude of a person who's truly been born again. Billy Graham was quoted as saying that only 15% of all people who profess to be Christian are truly born again. And why would he say such a thing? Because the actions of a born-again person are going to show that they're really born again. In other words, faith without works is dead. If you don't have discipleship and belief on the life and the things of God coming out of you, you don't really believe in Christ, generally. Because they're known by their fruit. Here is something else that may surprise you. Catherine Kuhlman said that only 15% of those who were healed at her services kept their healing when they left the service. These numbers should tell you something about how success is measured in ministry. I'm not saying that being born again and living eternally with Jesus is not important. It's essential. I'm saying that we have changed the message from the way that Jesus taught it. We have reduced the definition of born again to the point that our, in our society today, it has actually become socially popular to say we're born again and gain acceptance in certain circles. Have, can you all see that? See how that and, I mean, if you go out in our society right now and you ask how many people are going to heaven, about 90% in this area will say I'm going to heaven. But is 90% voting in godly ways 
Is 90% believing and acting in godly ways? Do you say, I mean, if 90% were really going to heaven, would love not be rampant all over the place? Because that love would be inside of them, and they would actually, being a disciple of Christ, they would be disciplined towards love, and you'd see love everywhere. Right? All right. Jesus said that we are to make disciples followers of Christ. When we ask people to accept Jesus as their Savior, we need to teach them that this is a total commitment of one's life to the Lord. It means becoming a disciple of Jesus. Jesus' attitude towards evangelism is much different than that of most Christians. Jesus is more concerned with the quality of ministry than the quantity. Now, let me, uh, Seth, will you come here for a second? I want to show something real quick and, and keep this. Stand over here, please. All right, now, what I want you to do is I want you to just walk in a circle. Just keep walking in a circle until I tell you not to. All right, so just like that's fine. All right, so what is a disciple? This is something that the Lord gave me a while back, and I want you to see it. a disciple. Have you ever felt in your life that you were just walking in circles and not getting anything done? And a lot of times, before you know Jesus, this is what you, you're doing. Whether you know that or not, what you're actually doing is walking in circles, producing nothing. You think you're living life. You're not living life at all. You're not going anywhere. A disciple is this. When I come as a believer and, I'm, and I make a disciple, the first thing is he accepts Christ, but he also understands that he is a disciple. Now, my job is to lead him down the path to, to disciple means to discipline after Christ. So we're going to be heading down the path towards Christ, right? Now, if I let go of his hand and, and we lose some accountability too early, what happens all of a sudden? Is he, is he discipled yet or is he going to keep circling? He's going to keep, yeah. He, because he's not disciplined yet to follow after Christ. A true disciple is one you don't have to act too much. This is a pretty simple one. <laughs> All right. A, a true disciple is one that when I finally let go of his hand, he's going to keep following and seeking after Jesus all on his own, and he's not going to spin in circles anymore because he's disciplined after Christ. Thank you, sir. All right. John 2, 23 through 25 says, Now when he was in Jerusalem... At the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracle which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men. He needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. It says that Jesus did not commit himself unto them, although they believed on him. The word believed and commit here are actually from the same Greek word. So you could say that they believed on him, but he did not believe in them. He knew they were not disciples. He would not commit himself to them because he didn't want man testifying out of his own ability. When we hear that someone has been born again, we are ready to put them to work, especially if they are public figures with recognizable names. It's like we are trying to sell a product by associating it with someone famous. That totally violates what Paul said in 1 Timothy 3 concerning placing a novice in a position of authority. These are the kind of shortcuts believers 
resort to when they limit the true definition of being born again to a simple confession of Jesus as Lord. Now, a simple confession can win you, but that doesn't mean that you fully believed and you're going to live a life that way. All right? It's a confession is only a proper confession when there's full belief in the heart, not just out of your mouth, but confession with your mouth and belief in your heart, a true belief. Now listen to this, because this, Nicole and I have been talking about this for a couple of weeks. It, what I'm about to read you pains me. And, and it just, listen, Mahatma Gandhi, y'all know Gandhi, y'all have heard his name before, once said, I would have been a Christian if I hadn't met one. Before leading the revolution in India, he was exiled in Africa. There, he was seeking the Lord. Reading the New Testament, he had become convinced that Christianity was the true religion and Jesus was the Christ. He was convinced that this was true. He decided to attend a Presbyterian church service for the purpose of confessing Jesus as his Lord. But because of the color of his skin, they wouldn't let him in. Those people were so determined to evangelize, that were so determined to evangelize, did not have enough of the nature of God on the inside to look past his color. Gandhi then led 750 million people into a pagan religion. A disciple would know the difference because they know the heart of God, because they've disciplined themselves after Christ. What could this man have won to the kingdom had he, had he met a disciple and not just someone claiming to be a Christian? He... On a trip to India some years ago, I learned that there were 12,000 Methodists in the city of Admindabad, the result of a great revival in the 1890s. When I asked the head of the church in that city how many were truly born again, he responded by saying it was only two or three families out of 12,000. The rest were still worshiping other gods. All they had done was add Jesus to their list of gods to make sure they didn't miss one. They were obviously not disciples. To those in India, Jesus was just another of the thousands of God. This is not God's idea of evangelism. John 8, 30-32 says this, As he spake these words, many believed on him. They said, Jesus, to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. People often say that if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. That's not correct. More correctly, these verses say that when you continue in the word, then you will know the truth, and the truth you know sets you free. In these verses, Jesus was speaking to those who had already believed on him. Jesus knew that only those those who became disciples would be truly free. There is more to believing than just mouthing words. There's more. We ought to be preaching that, 
what we ought to be preaching is that God calls us into discipleship and it begins with making a commitment to the Lord. If we understood that and acted on it, we would have much greater success evangelizing the world. Now here's the point I want you to get to. I want you to receive two points this morning. Number one, it is your duty as a Christian, and being a real Christian means I'm going to be a disciple of Christ. I'm disciplined after him, I'm following after him, and I'm changing my ways to his ways. That's a true disciple. That means when hard times come, easy times come, whatever, I'm looking to him to be my Lord and the director of my life and nowhere else. I'm not looking to my, my logic. I'm not looking to what worked in my past. I'm not looking to the world or even family unless they're pointing to Christ. If they're not pointing to Christ, I'm looking to the Word and I'm looking towards Christ and that's it. And as we do that, Listen to this section because this is what I want you to commit, commit to. Because when you become a disciple, not only does it change you, it changes the world. All right? Listen to this. Consider this. Now, his math in here, I, I don't know how he did his math. Um, he probably knows some special formula I didn't, I didn't grab a hold of. But I did it myself, and where he says 17... Uh, mine ended up being 20 and a half, so that'll make sense in just a second. Consider this. If you evangelized 1,000 people per year for 20 years, you would end up with 20,000 new believers, assuming that they were all genuine conversions. So you'd have 20,000. That's pretty good, right? That'd be pretty awesome. What if everybody in here, over the next 20 years, we won 1,000 people to Christ? That'd be a pretty big church, right? That's what a lot of people are after, a pretty big church. That's the problem. If you led one person to the Lord every six months and spent the next six months discipling that person so that they could reproduce themselves, what do you think would happen? In one year, there would only be two disciples. Woo, groundbreaking, right? Shattering. However, he says here at the 17-year mark, 16 and a half years, I'll say 20 because I, I did that math. I understand it. So I'll say at 20 and a half years, if each continued to reproduce themselves every six months, so in other words, two, two disciples per year times 20 years, there would be no one left on earth to evangelize. Were we supposed to go for 2,000 years? Or were we supposed to make disciples? All right. Jesus' method of discipleship would produce nearly 7 billion disciples in less than 17 years. Discipleship evangelism works. Now, the thing is, that can look really slow, right? And so, but you have to say, I'm not going to get weary and well-doing. If we understand discipleship, this thing changes very rapidly and very quickly. All right? I really believe that the church has missed it in the area of evangelism, making con converts and not disciples. By now, you may be thinking, Andrew is right, but I have no idea how to disciple anyone. That's best left to those who are more knowledgeable in the Word of God. And he says, well, I have good news 
if you can read, you can change a life. And so what he did, he says, I have a study guide called the Complete Discipleship Evangelism 48 Lesson Course. He said, I like to call it Discipleship for Dummies. It will take you through the foundational truth, truths of Christianity in 48 lessons. It's simple, it's easy, and it's effective. All you do is read a short story, ask prepared questions, give the prepared answers by looking up Scripture, and watch God work in the life of another. You can't miss with it. So when I read this article, there's a couple of things that happened. The first thing is this exactly lines up with what the Holy Spirit's been leading me for 15 years. Now, most of the church has been saying go the other way. You know, let's, let's go make converts, let's go make converts, go make converts, win people to Christ. And, and in my heart and in my spirit, the Holy Spirit was saying make disciples. Make disciples. And you can see the results of making disciples versus just making converts. A lot of the converts that we have really aren't converts. They just confess something with their mouth, but not with their heart. Now, the second thing that happened was, man, who, who can I help disciple right now? I want to help disciple some people. And so I got to thinking, and I was going to spend some personal time with two or three people. And, uh, and, and I said, you know what? And the Holy, Holy Spirit really led me and said, no. He said, we're not going to start with the two or three, even though that is a great, a great pattern, and it's not wrong to do that. But in this particular instance, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to start on February 22nd. I want you to invite everybody, read that article so they can get a hold of what you're doing, and then what we're going to do, I already have that book, it's on my desk, it's awesome, I've already been reading through it, and it's great. There's some great foundational truths, is starting on April 5th, the first Sunday in April, we're going to start in that book at this 10 o'clock class so that you can become disciples. And then all you have to do is you can, we'll get you a copy of that book. And you can help lead other people not only to Christ, but to be a disciple. And it really is simple enough to just read it like I just read that letter. You don't have to add any commentary whatsoever. And we're going to go through that now in the period, and we'll be led by the Holy Spirit if He tells us to break in the middle of it, we'll break. But there's 48 lessons. And so over the period of this next year, you will have gone through that whole discipleship course, and you can say, man, I have the foundation and the peace to be a disciple of God. But like what he said, it starts not just with confessing Christ, it starts with a commitment, and the beginning is, I give myself to Christ, and I accept Him as my Savior. That's the beginning. Now, let, I'm asking you, will you commit to Jesus, not just me, will you commit to Jesus to be a disciple? Will you commit to Jesus to discipline your life after Him? Make your choices by Him. Where you work, where you live, what you do, what you say. Will you make a commitment to Christ to say, I'm seeking you for all of this. And as you do that, not only does love flourish in your life, and your life starts to shine and be the light, but people start to change around you, and you start bringing the blessing of God there. How many people would like to be able to stand in front of Christ and say, Man, I help disciple people. I help disciple some folks. 
And it starts, you know, it's hard to disciple if you ain't one. <laughs> it's hard to teach somebody how to do something if you're not doing it. And so, it starts on April 5th. Next month, uh, in March, we're having our membership month, and there'll be, there's four classes, so it'll be first, second, third, and fourth week of March. We'll be going through the membership class. If you've been in it before, it'll be awesome anyway at this 10 o'clock time. And it doesn't mean, it just because you come to the class doesn't mean you know, when we get done we stamp you and you're a member of Boomerang. It's, it's for you to find out who we are, what we are, where we're going, how we're getting there. To share, let us share our heart with you. Let you ask some questions. So that's going to be in March. We'll have one weekend in between. And then starting April 5th, we'll start in that book and start discipleship evangelism and helping you to not only be a disciple, but see how easy it is to help lead other people into discipleship. Amen? Amen. Now, here's the question. If you actually do this, you know, all it takes is one. All it takes is one. Maybe, maybe half of y'all are giving me amens and shaking your head and nodding and you're not going to show up on April 5th. Yeah, it is Easter morning. Maybe you're not going to be here that morning. You're just shaking your head. But man, if just one of you means it and they start discipling, that next year will be me and you and two more and my two more and we'll be six. And that next year will be uh, 18. Amen? I just need some people that say, you know what, it's worth it to give God a priority in my life. This is what he called me, he commissioned me to do, and what you'll find is, we've been talking about life being full, your life will be full as we do these things. Amen? Amen. Father, I just ask for your blessing and your anointing and your strength to be on each person hearing this, to pick up the call from you, the call from heaven, to be your disciple, to make converts and disciple them, Lord. To make disciples for Jesus Christ. Father, I just ask for your blessing, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We'll see you in a few minutes. It's going to be a great one.